Hi, I'm Jane O'Reilly, and this is Ageless. I'm 40, and my life is just getting started. I'm here to share real talk and real experiences about how to live life ageless. Nothing's off the table. You know the vibes. Let's go. Welcome back to Ageless, and today I am joined by leadership expert, business owner, spiritual guru, big mood TV host, and he has a podcast called Hearts Over Everything. Here is my friend, Eric Rias. Welcome to Ageless, Eric. What's going on, (laughs) Jaina? You know, leadership expert, you know, it's funny. I like that. You are. You embody it. I'm telling you, I've watched you. I've watched you. Um, But what I wanted to talk about today is leadership, since you are the expert, and also relationships and how the non-traditional relationship is becoming the new traditional. And I know you and I both have left important long-term relationships that were no longer serving us. And we made heart-wrenching decisions based on self-love, but in the end was the best decision for the entire family, Eric. And I watched you pull yourself out of hell and throw yourself into healing, into your business, into leadership, into people. And I know that's a lot to put on the table, but I'm so fascinated by your journey and you embody so much of what this podcast is all about, staying connected to your spirit and identifying with that rather than a number or a trip around the sun. So tell us your story. So, um, I, uh, I've always had trouble in relationships. I, I speak pretty openly about sexual trauma um, and sexual trauma at a young age, uh, sexual trauma throughout all of our lives um, really has a huge impact on how we interact with, other, for me, other men and most definitely with women. So I kind of wasn't on the, didn't start out on the right foot relationship wise. Um, there was a lot of validation seeking um, for, for 10 years or more than 10 years of my sexual and relationship life where um, I thought my value was calculated by how many people I had sex with um, or how many girls wanted to have sex with, people, wanted to have sex with me. Um, so that already set me off in a not so great um, foot, footing. Um, so the way that manif- manifested was being in relationships because I was codependent and, and I'm a relationship guy. Some people really like relationships and I'm one of those people. Um, but then see, continuing to seek validation throughout those relationships, um, which led to cheating, which led to manipulation, things that left me spiritually sick, uh, things that really bankrupt me. So um, that, that's been my experience for most of, most of my adult life. Maybe four years ago, um, I really took healing from that trauma very seriously because, to be honest with you, I lost my family. I lost my, my ex-partner. Um, she, she has my kids. We, I still obviously have a ch- relationship with all my, with my children. I have two children. Still have a beautiful relationship with them. But the family structure is a divine, is a divine experience when it's healthy. And I've experienced that divine, that divine um, paradigm with that family dynamic. But I lost it all um, through, the, through sexual dysfunction um, in, many, in many forms. Um, so when that relationship ended and two years before that relationship ended, I started working with a sex addiction therapist um, and the sex addiction therapist really, um, we, we went full on into sexual trauma. We went full on to sexual dysfunction and health between and understanding the difference between healthy and unhealthy sexual behaviors, relationships, codependency, 
We went a deep dive. And this is after years and years of growing a spiritual practice. And that just shows you the duality of, of life and human beings. Uh, you can be growing spiritually and taking your spiritual life very seriously, but have blind spots. And, and the relationship aspect of my life was a, a big blind spot. It wasn't something I was prepared to look at in my 20s, at least, because your 20s, just I don't think we're, we're really prepared to look at those things yet. Um, but anyway, I took a look at those things, changed my behavior, um, but I couldn't save the relationship. So for two years, we tried to work it out. Finally, a year and a half ago, we split. So what I chose to do was to not get in relationships. I tried to have sexual relationships, but spiritually, for me, sex has become a very spiritual and deep, um, emotional um, portion of my life. Um, for me, after years of abusing the, the using it and abusing it, um, it stopped working and I couldn't have, and I couldn't have sex with people simply for the sake of having sex with them. My body literally wouldn't work. It literally wouldn't happen. Um, I, I, it was, it was as if God was telling me, no, this isn't for you right now. Um, and I, I wanted to choose a different way to heal from this split, uh, breakup. So what I did was instead of, instead of sleeping around, I, I went to a period of absence for about four months, no porn, no masturbation, no sex. Um, I was flirting with people, but there was no cuddling. There was really not, not much of anything um, intimacy-wise. And I was very lonely um, and cried every day for most of that time because I missed my ex. And I was, I was just lonely. Anyway, point being, um, I stayed, stayed single for a couple more months, tried to date a few people, finally dated a young, a young woman um, who... This was my first introduction to what it felt like to have a divine relationship. It didn't last, but there was something God was present in our communion. Um, we had we had a sex life that wow, this is I didn't know sex could be this um, in in this sexual relationship. I didn't know what that this could be something that I had access to. Um, but that unfortunately didn't work out. She ended up moving, chasing a dream, which is I'm so proud of her. Um, and there was still some sexual dysfunction on my beha- my behalf. I was I still, and I still get, I get attention, and I still um, struggle with with not needing the attention. I'm I'm way better than I've ever been. Everybody likes to be seen. Everybody likes to be validated. Um, so I don't beat myself up on it. But anyway, I don't let it lead my life. Point is, um, for the last eight months, I found myself with my divine partner. I found myself with someone who sees me and loves me in my fullest. That's what, that's what I learned what love is to me, is loving everybody in their fullest expression. And I finally found myself being able to love in their fullest expression. My, my partner is very similar to me. I never thought I could date someone similar to me. Um, and she's, she's my um, contemporary. She's outgoing. She's a public speaker. She's a coach. She does, um, she does women's empowerment. I do men's empowerment, men's leadership. She does women's leadership. Um, sex is a very special divine, um, experience for her too. And she's introduced me to a whole another level of sexual intimacy. Um, and that intimacy as a whole, um, how we maintain that relationship is continuing to hold space for one another. Um, and also if we go to unconventional, which is now conventional is masculine and feminine leadership roles, masculine and feminine roles. Um, this is hard to say because we've been not hard to say, but culturally 
We've been taught women, women run the house. Women can run the house too. Women can do everything. Yes, women can do everything. My mom was essentially a single mother. My dad was there, but she did it all herself. And uh, she got her doctorate while she was raising us and was the dean of a medical school when she was raising us. And she did everything. She took us to and came to my football games and was present throughout my life. So she did everything. But that's not the way it was designed. It wasn't designed for the woman to do everything. It wasn't designed for the man to do everything. There's these, ma- these masculine and feminine archetypes that we all generally, generally fall into. So in the relationship in, I'm in currently, we're able to explore the masculine and feminine polarities in what we perceive as a healthy way. So she's able to receive me and take guidance from me because she trusts me. She trusts that I'm going to make the right decision for our family. And, I can, and that's another thing I've learned. If you're going to be in a long-term relationship, if I'm going to be in a long-term relationship, I have to look at it as family. If it's just for today, then it's just for today. But if I'm going to build a life with someone, it should, it, for me, it should be, this is the person I'm going to build my life with. So let me take it that seriously. And that's also changed the way I approach the relationship. We're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to run away from her. I, I, I've tried to self-sabotage. She stuck it out with me. And she's like, no, I'm not going to let you do this. I'm not going to let you run away. Um, but anyway, back to what was what at one point was conventional, but is, is becoming more conventional in a, in a in certain type of way, the masculine and feminine polarities that we get to embody. So now she, she trusts my leadership. She trusts my guidance. She trusts that when I, when I speak, that I'm speaking into her and I'm encouraging her. I encourage, she's, I'm her biggest fan. I post everything she posts. I repost it. Every picture she posts, I like it. Every time she does something. Um, and overcome something with a personal professional, I tell her I'm proud of her. I encourage her because as, as partners, we get to pour into one another. Uh, and she does the same for me. And you know what? Me- leadership is not only for men. I trust her judgment. I trust her leadership. Um, and th- there's times where she gets to be the more masculine energy in, in the relationship, especially when it comes to children. She gets to, she gets to play point guard because the mother – Mother's role is a divine role as well. So is father's. But the mother's role is the closest thing to God that you'll see on a regular basis when you see how mothers love their children. So, yeah, that's the story of my relationship patterns and how I, um, how I broke those patterns and the work that, it, that I do on a day-to-day basis to, to stay in my you know, divine union or I, what I like to believe is my divine union just for today. I have the chills and I'm so glad and so grateful that you're on this podcast because I knew you were going to go deep and everything that you shared. You always talk about things that the regular person would probably not utter. And that needs to be said that needs to be on the table, like sexual trauma. I identify with that as well. And it does something to you. And I always wonder, okay, here I am at 40 single with no children. Maybe I should take a look at all of that. And you and I have had conversations and that's what I love about, um, being able to have these honest conversations is you get to make choices and you get to take action. And what I know is that relationships are assignments and they are part of a greater plan for our enlightenment. And we can, when we can step back and have hindsight and see the greater plan more clearly, um, that's, that's the beautiful thing. And you basically just said that is, um, like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, it's hindsight and foresight. 
Um, when you, when you, when I have hindsight, I can take a look back at the things that have gotten my way in the past um, and p- pay attention to patterns that have found me in, in circumstances that are not favorable to me and the people around me. So I can take a look back and look at all my patterns, right? And I did, a, I spoke at a church a couple weeks ago and I, the, the message was to everybody, just take a look at it. Just take a look at what's going on. Some people go their whole lives not, not looking at any of this stuff, not looking at their relationship to sex, not looking at their family of origin, not looking at what their addictions are. And the point is just take a look at it and see what we find. So with hindsight, we get to extrapolate what our lives looked like and how we ended up where we are. With foresight, we're able to see where things can go and, and use a very practical, pragmatic um, approach to not making the same mistakes again. I'm committed to not making the same mistakes again, wholeheartedly, the same way I committed to never having a drink again, the same way I committed to never doing heroin again. I'm committed to not hurting people the way I did before. So it takes foresight to see, oh, this person's flirting with me. Oh, it's nice. It's a nice little flirtation. It's not going to hurt. Okay, now we're talking twice a week. Now we're talking every day. Just, oh, we're just friends. Okay, I've seen this pattern before. I know where this goes. I'm going to end up at the end of a bed crying, like knowing I shouldn't have done this. I've seen this happen over and over again. So having that foresight and having that hindsight allows me to be in a relationship where I'm not making the same mistakes. I tell every every person and I tell my partner, I'm going to hurt you. There's ways that I'm going to hurt you because we say things we shouldn't say. We, We invalidate each other accidentally. We do things as people. We do people shit. And so I am going to hurt this person, but I'm not going to betray you. I'm not going to betray you, and I'm not going to lose your trust. When a woman trusts you, she can be completely submissive to you. And not submissive in the sense that cooking clean for me, lady, because that's not what I, I, I think gender roles in that regard are being broken. I cook and clean and do dishes. I, I, I do those things. I, clean, I keep my house. My house is pretty clean. My house is pretty, I'm pretty domestic. I raise, I raise my son and I'm very nurturing and soft with my son when I need to be, when I get to be. So when I say submissive, it, it's almost in, in it's, it's best, it's best expressed in, in sex where she's for me. And I can only explain it in, um, tangibly through sex is when it's the open, open position, open body position. She actually even puts her neck up to allow me to like caress her neck and her throat in the sense that, in the sense that like, you're not going to harm me, but I'm giving you one of the most vulnerable parts of me. And because she trusts me, she trusts that I'm going to take care of her body, she trusts that I'm going to nurture her. She trusts that my, my goal is to nurture and take care of her. So the submissive nature is not do whatever I want. I think that that gets a bad rap. But I think part of this masculine feminine polarity is being submissive. And last thing I'll say is I'm submissive to her as well. When she tells me things that are hard to hear, and when she tells me things that she needs me to do, I say, yes, I can do that. And if I can't do it, I say no. And I explain why I can't do it. But most of the time I, I do what she needs to do because what needs me to do because I'm chasing her. I'm trying to enroll her into me every day. That's, that's my goal is enroll this woman into me every day. So I ask mm-hmm. her, what do you need? Do you, are, are all of your needs met? Is there anything I can do to support you? And I hope I never stop chasing. That's the goal is to never stop chasing my partner. But when a woman trusts you, she, she can be submit to you. And when, when you trust a woman and you're not threatened by her power, you can submit to your, to your partner, your female partner or your male partner, either one. It's either one. It goes, the masculine and feminine polarities go 
in same-sex uh, relationships and in heterosexual relationships. It's, it, there's always the masculine and feminine polarities. And we're not speaking about genitalia. We're speaking about, we're speaking about um, energies. We're speaking about mm-hmm. something tangible. So, um, good. Uh, what's I love all of that. And I've been in those relationships before where I felt like I could, I've given my trust and I can be submissive. And then there's other relationships I've been in where I'm guarded, completely guarded. So I love everything that you said. And I think that you and your girlfriend should start relationship coaching because I've just learned so much in the last five minutes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, we, 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 actually, we actually are holding a we're holding a couples retreat um, at the end of the year. I love it. I love it. Do more of that. Uh, I am. Let's just sidestep over to your leadership. I love what you were saying about um, you do men's leadership and training. Tell me a little bit more about that, because I'm so interested, especially for the men that are listening, the men that are listening. Tune in. Yes, men who are listening. Um, and and women, if you're listening, if you're listening, tell these tell this to your men. Introduce introduce us. Not even if he becomes a client or in a business setting, I'm here to support other men. So everything on my con- all the content I promote, um, everything in my page is is meant to empower. There's some funny stuff. There's some dick and fart jokes in there, but it's mostly to empower. So for both men and women, but especially men. Um, but leadership, masculine leadership, um, is is not a cho- it's a choice but it's it's um it's a choice let's put it that way masculine leadership all leadership masculine and feminine leadership is a choice whether you want to be or not you're in leadership roles as an adult male you are you have a friend you have a friend group you have your family if you have if you have children you have a partner if you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend you have a partner you're you're you have a workplace you have you have all these different dynamics, these different paradigms that we flow in and out of, and you can so you can be someone who takes takes the the back the, takes the um takes the back position to other friends who have more natural leadership skills, or t- or at work you don't have to be in a leadership position because your boss can just tell you what to do. But I do believe that there's there's potential for every man and every woman to step into a leadership position. So my goal is to pe- see people who are in leadership and t- first of all, tell them, hey, you're a leader. If you have a podcast, you may not have a staff, but you're leading the people who listen to you. you. You're leading your children, you're leading in your workplace or you can be leading in your workplace and that can take you up further in your career if you just embody the leadership that's already in you and make that choice. Um, but I think it's it's, and I always tell people, I, don't, I shouldn't have to beg you to be a leader, but I, if I'm going to beg you, I'm going to encourage you, and I'm going to tell you, you are whether you want to be or not. So that leadership coaching and training is to help people actualize their leadership, actualize their full potential, live with precision, live with intention, um, and embody leadership and embody masculine energies um, in all of its manifestations. So that's the leadership coaching um, in, in the general sense. But this practical step-by-step processes that we take people through, we have a year program, which is years of, of spiritual principles to live by each month. Each week, we have a lesson for each spiritual principle um, that ties into the next. At the end of this, it's, it's self-actualization. And, and we hopefully find you in a place 
where you where you have a purpose, where you've done honest self appraisal, you've cleaned up your life, you you have no more you have no more mess keeping you from from living your best and fullest life. So that's our year program. We have three month programs where we it's more of an accelerated program where we set goals and declarations, um, not and not decla- not goals. We set declarations. We speak things into existence. We say, I'm going to lose 20 pounds in the next three months. I'm going to, not saying I want to, because people set goals every day and they don't achieve them. People set goals every day and they change them. I do. I used to do that. I used to set goals and change them all the time. So our three-month program, we set declarations for each month. And at the end of three months, we have transformed those areas of our lives, whether it be personal, romantic, professional, physical and, fit, physical and fitness lives. So that's our three-month program. And then we have simply one-on-one consulting calls that can happen every week or every other week or once a month to get grounded and to connect and to embody something different. Um, so leadership is in all of us. Leadership is in all of us. We get to embody it. We get to embody it if we make that choice to do so. And if not, it's okay. And there's different forms of leadership, which I can get into. You can lead from the front, lead from the side as a supporter, lead from the back as, as another supporter, as someone who's letting, letting your, your peers, hold on one second, someone who's letting their peers step up in the leadership and you're just walking behind them, holding, holding them and, and, and guiding them and letting them be point guard. And you just play center, you just play shoot guard, or you leave, like I said, leave from the side where you're, where you're just walking hand in hand with someone, letting them go through their process, but yet you're there to course correct. And obviously leading from the front where, where you're the, you're the captain, you're the point guard, you're guiding people on what to do next. And they're looking to you directly at you for the answer. So leadership is, is, is much more dynamic than we, than we think it is. It's not just, Oh, I'm a boss. You know, it's not just, I'm a boss. It's no, I'm a mother. I'm a father. Um, in my workplace, I, I embody this and in my relationship, I embody this. So that's, that's my perspective on leadership. I love the sports analogy. <laughs> I know you do. No, you know, I love that. But I also love what you were talking about, uh, declarations. And I am a huge, huge vision boarder and manifester. And I like what you said about um, speaking your goals like it's already happened. We have to, we have to do that. And like, I am statements, like I'm, I am this, I am going to do this in three weeks. And I love that. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, so how would somebody with no leadership experience get started in the arena that you just explained? Making a choice. There's a choice. There's, there's, I've done workshops where they do choice exercises. You get to choose to, to move forward or not. And that's the first step is to make a choice to do, to embody something different. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be, it's like in 12 step, you don't have to have the answers to the spiritual question you know, in second and third step, simply all you gotta do is make the choice and the key is willingness, right? So it's the same thing when it comes to leadership. The key is willingness and the willingness to take a little bit of guidance and the willingness to fully say, I am a leader. Just tell yourself, I am a leader. It's the first step into, into walking in that life. I love that. I am a leader. I love it. Uh, you also mentioned fitness and I know that you have an extensive background in personal training. And I know for me, fitness completely changed my life. Uh, how has fitness improved yours and what are your, some of your basic principles for staying consistent with programming? So, yeah, I, I'm still training clients. I still, I still do that work on the side 
it's not my my primary work, but I have recently been called to get back in the gym and to work with clients one-on-one because um, I was training my partner and I was like, man, I love this and I'm a good trainer. <laughs> I'm a good trainer. It's not yeah. a lot of, yeah, I, I know what I'm doing and I know how to construct uh, a, a f- fun, well-rounded workout. So I'm back in the gym still doing it. Um, but my perspective on fitness, it was my first introduction to personal development. It was the first thing that taught me you do the next right thing, you eat right for this one day, you work out today, and you do that every day for two months, three months, and your body looks completely different. If you are new, someone who's new at training, even if you're someone who has been training a long time, if you have a consistent four days a week of training, whether it be weight training or cycling, and your diet is on point for two months, three months, your body will change. And that's not even my opinion. It's if you don't believe weeks. me, give it a try. 12, 12 weeks. 12 weeks and and you'll notice an adjustment. I'm telling you right now, just from my experience as well, and my experience with coaching is diet. I, I want to get your take on this because I've always thought that diet is 90% of the game and training is 10%. Like I don't like the 80-20 ratio. I think yeah. diet, if you want serious results, it's got to be like 90% of your deal. Absolutely. I um so there's a few ways I look at this. I do look at diet as more than just for fitness goals. It's, um, it's a way of self-care. It's not only a way of self-care. It's, um, it's a spiritual sacrament to your own body, right? Ooh, it's I like, I'm going ble- to bless myself and take care of this, this vessel to the best of my ability, which I don't always do. My weight vacillates quite a bit. Um, and right now I'm on the thicker side. I'm not fat right now, but I'm on the thicker side. So it's, it, for me, it's not cut and dry. I spent a lot of years... And, and if we're being honest, a, a personal training, a, a bodybuilding diet mimics an eating disorder. And if we're being, and this is coming from someone who in the biggest bodybuilding gym in San Diego and the biggest bodybuilding gyms in, in the Coachella Valley, I've been to shows, I've prepped for shows, m- uh, mapping your meals out hour at a time and carrying them around with you everywhere you go is not a practical way to eat food. It's a, if you're, if you're someone who is dedicated to that, then beautiful. But I've watched it countless times where women and men, especially, I think this is why my, um, my metabolism is a little jacked up from six or seven years of eating this way, but eating, you know, only eating chicken and rice every day for, for months and years on end doesn't teach you how to healthily moderate your diet. I agree. But I will say, I will say some people need the, the discipline and structure in order to maintain a healthy diet because some people don't have self-control, myself included. I don't keep, I don't keep fatty foods in my house. I don't keep peanut butter in my closet. I don't keep candy in the house. I don't keep cookies in the house or cakes. I simply don't do that because I know I'll eat them. And if I know I'm going to eat them, I shouldn't buy them. Mm-hmm. Unless I go buy one thing. I go buy one donut. I don't buy a, a box donut and say, oh, I'm just going to leave it in the house for people who come by. No, I buy one <laughs> donut and eat one donut. I, can, you know? I can't so, see the pink box because the pink box for me is deadly. I will eat the yeah, whole box. Yeah, sets it off. The whole box. And, and, that's, and that's very common with fitness people. That's why <laughs> fitness people, that's why we, that's a lot of times why we prep food. Because we know if we're too hungry, we're going to go to in and out Absolutely. I went down that rabbit hole, Eric. I did the perfect measurements of my foods. I would eat every two hours. There were only specific things on my diet. And then finally, one day I was like, 
I have an eating disorder and I have body dysmorphia. So this isn't going to work for me. And I just, I kind of stopped everything and just started from scratch. And now I eyeball my food. Uh, what I like to say to my clients and how I eat is you take, take a dinner plate, cut it in half. Half of that plate is natural carbs and natural carbs is complex carbs, fruits, vegetables, 30% 30% of your plate, like the size of your fist is your protein. And then 20% is satur- or is your good fats, like avocados. And that's how I eat today. I don't, I don't do what I used to do because it almost ruined me. It almost took me out completely. Absolutely. I think, I think it's, a, especially now that I'm coaching again, it's important to speak on that um, with my, with my new clients, because last time I was seriously coaching in the gym, I was in that, in the bodybuilder paradigm. That's the way I did it. And, um, doing it that way got me in a body dysmorphic headspace and it really mimicked an eating disorder, eating a thousand grams of carbs to be shredded and eating 400, 300 grams of protein every day is not good for your gut biome. It's not good for your digestive tract. It's not good for your headspace. It's, it's, and it's not a free way to live and really ultimately what I want is freedom in all aspects of my life. I want freedom and, and sovereignty. And freedom and sovereignty does not mean carrying a lunchbox with me everywhere. It means making good choices when I go out. So if, if I'm going to look at, okay, where am I going to go to eat? I'll eat sushi before. It's expensive, more expensive, but I'll go eat sushi before I go eat a burger. Sushi is just a healthier option. Mm-hmm. Fish, rice, and some veggies and some avocado or some cucumber. Or, you know, that, that's a healthier option. And that'll be one of my meals. Then I'll have a poke bowl. Or even, even if I, I ate Chipotle yesterday, I don't eat Chipotle, but I don't get a big-ass burrito. I get a, I get a rice bowl. Rice, mm-hmm. meat, veggies, some salsa. Um, easy. Boom. I eat a little cheese, too. A little cheese isn't going to kill me unless you're lactose intolerant, like, aggressively. Because I think everybody is a I bit am. lactose intolerant. But um, I, if, a little bit of cheese is not going to kill me personally. So, you know, even adding a little cheese. But I, that's, I'm going to go to that choice before I go to the burger, before I go to, same thing. If you're going to go out to eat, go get an omelet. Instead of getting hash browns on the side, um, get, get fruit on the side, you know. Or tomatoes your, your are great. Tomatoes yeah, or are tomatoes great. or cottage cheese. Um, you, you, those are simple. You, I, when you do this for long enough, you learn how to make healthier choices naturally when you go out to eat. I don't get the fattiest thing on the menu. I get, I get the moderate thing on the menu and it's still delicious. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just having a little bit of wiggle room for yourself. I like to change the word diet and I call it plan because I think diet is set. There's just so much stigma around that word, like in a negative way. And I think it it is negative in some ways we we discussed it, but, um, I love the idea of having a plan that's sustainable. And I think that's, that is everything we talked about. Like, how can you bring how can you have the kind of self-love to be able to make the right choices and to go back to a place, um, have a plan and have a better life that's sustainable longevity. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, it's about, it's about functionality and longevity. You want to be able to, you want to be able to fit it into your life and maintain it. Um, and you want to be able to be consistent and realistic with yourself. Um, I know everybody wants to be shredded, right? Everybody wants to have the great body, but understand what it takes, what it takes to have that be realistic with yourself and be content, be content and be, and be, um, be okay with where you are. And 
make improvements, but do it in, in a realistic paradigm. Don't, don't, don't beat yourself up on and be too hard on yourself because yeah, that, that's, be that's a negative. Yeah. That's a negative shame cycle as well. And we don't want that either. We, we want to have a healthy mindset when it comes to, comes to these things and shaming yourself because you're not, you know, where you want to be exactly is, is detrimental. It's wasted energy, actually. It's complete waste of energy. And also comparing yourself to other people because every body is different. So social media is very difficult in some ways when it comes to fitness, because first of all, everybody edits their photos. Let's be honest. And sometimes people even edit their size. And so we can't, we can't compare ourselves to another person because we're not them. We all need, have different needs and, uh, different diet plans and different training programming for our body types. You know, we're all different. So it's knowing your body type too, knowing your body type. It's knowing your body type, knowing your body type, knowing your behavior. Same thing. Again, like we were speaking about earlier, um, foresight and hindsight, you know, it doesn't work for you. You know, it doesn't work for you from in the past. Don't try, don't keep trying to repeat the same cycle saying, Oh, this is going to work this time. Oh, I'm going to start my diet on Monday. No, start your diet tomorrow. You ever, you always wait till Monday and Monday never comes. does it? So start your diet tomorrow. Um, start your training cycle tomorrow and don't, and don't think of it as a diet thing. I'm shifting the way I'm eating for a long period of time. Um, and I'm starting tomorrow. I'm going to cook my food at home instead of going to eat, eat out tomorrow, but be realistic to yourself with yourself, be kind to yourself and, and you're going to find yourself in a better, in a better way. Um, and you're going to find yourself with a better headspace because sometimes you could have a, I know for a fact, I've dated these women. I know these men, um, you find yourself with a a great body, but, but with a sick mind and that's not a good trade-off. Definitely not. But also support having the right kind of support. I know for me when I'm seriously training and I, I have a very short window of time to do it and to, to reach a specific goal. I have, I have a digital coach that I reach out to that I'll send like progress pics to, or if I just need to reach out and ask certain questions and she'll send me encouragement, like that goes a long way. Cause it's not easy. Dieting is not easy. Training is not easy. You know, keeping it consistent is really hard, but with the right support group, it's, it's gold. Absolutely. That's, that's the importance of a coach and a, and a trainer. Um, in every aspect of our lives. That's why I do what I do because I understand that people need the mentorship. I have a coach and a strategist for my business who helps me make, make certain choices. Um, people, there's people before you who are more proficient. Um, and even if they're not exactly more proficient, they're an accountability partner to help you stay on track. So people, people really, people are very easy to spend X amount of dollars on eating out, but frugal when it comes to hiring support. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the, go, hiring the support, that's a, it's an action of trust and action of self-care um, that, we get to, that we get to participate in. I like that. I really do. I think we should just end right there because there's so much on the table and I love everything that you've shared and you've been so helpful. And thank you so much, Eric, for coming on to the Ageless podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you, Jana. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Ageless. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Tune in next week for a new episode.